I'm going to go directly into the word of the Lord. Isaiah 55 verse 11 is a familiar text of scripture to people who believe in the prophetic word of God. And this is what it says. So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void. That's an interesting word. It's not one that we use a whole lot in our vocabulary, but you will find it in the Bible. The earth was without form and void. It speaks to a certain lack of government or things that are recognizable or things that have purpose. And God said, my word shall not return to me in that condition, but it shall accomplish what I please and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. When God sends a word, we should take note of three significant things. It will never return to God unfulfilled. Number two, it always prospers or is successful in the purpose for which God sent it. And number three, God speaks things that are pleasing to himself. That is, God takes delight in speaking over our lives things that in turn please us and bless us. If God had only said, I'm going to speak things that bless you, that would be one way to look at this text. But he didn't. He says, while I'm speaking this, I want you to know it's going to prosper in the thing for which I sent it because that's what I please. It's what I want. Father, I ask you to speak to us this morning. Guide us with your word and let us grasp the insights that we hope will come forth with your ability today to help us receive them. And we give you honor and glory. We really need you. And we lean on you because without you, we know that we are nothing. And Lord, today for a few minutes, would you show up in this place and speak to where we all live? And everybody shouted and said, Amen. Amen. The word that God speaks to you becomes your personal GPS coordinates that direct your life. And the decisions that you will make from that time forward. I want to speak for a few moments from the subject, the amazing blessings that are in a word from God. And all of us today, I think, can begin by acknowledging that we come here because we do place value on the word of God. Psalm 77 and verse 13 says this, Your way, O God, is in the sanctuary. And then the question, who is so great a God as our God? The psalmist acknowledges that it's in the sanctuary, the house of God, that I learn about your ways. And the conclusion of that kind of an experience is I leave saying, wow, God is great. There's nobody like him. So I want you to understand that the word here that says way literally means road or path of life. And that's what we do find in the house of God. Without any hyperbole, whatever, I can confidently assert that God's word is powerful beyond what most of us, and I think I could probably accurately say any of us, probably are aware of. 
It is powerful in a way that is extraordinary. His word is literally filled with blessings that are programmed into it. I learned something years ago that I thought was fascinating. You remember that Jesus said not one jot or tittle of the words he spoke would pass away until they were fulfilled. Not one jot or tittle of the law would pass away. Scholars say that there are these peculiar little marks in Hebrew in the written language. And they say that all of those have meaning. But they claim that what Jesus was saying was that the words of God are so powerful that not only do the letters have meaning, but so do the spaces between the letters. That is fascinating to me. I love it that the word of God is so powerful that all it takes is just one word, not, not a dozen, just one, one word from God to completely radically change your life and turn your situation around. No matter what that circumstance might be. And Father, if there's anyone who knows just how powerful the word of God is, that's the devil. He does. Job 38 verses 4 through 6 tells us that when God spoke the universe into existence, all of the angels were there and shouted for joy. And guess who was included in that number? And that is the devil himself. He was a part of that angelic chorus because at that moment he had not yet fallen. He led a rebellion against God and was cast from heaven to earth. He fell to earth if earth had been created. Okay. So we know that he was among that August number that celebrated the power and significance that God of the words that God had spoken. Ever since then, he has been aware that if God speaks, I'm in trouble. If God utters a word, I need to do what I can to make sure that people don't receive it. In the parable of the sower, Matthew chapter 13, Jesus tells how the birds of the air come to try to steal the seed of the word of God, that seed that is programmed with all of the potential that will grow someday into a harvest. They want to steal that away. And that is, of course, referring to the enemy. Major delivery and shipping firms like UPS, DHL, the U.S. Mail Service, and Amazon are facing problems right now. And that is because they make deliveries and set them on your doorstep. And then guess what happens? There's a new term that's come into use in our culture that I'd never heard all of my life growing up or as an adult until recently. And that term is porch pirates. Porch pirates. There are all these videos all over YouTube where folk are... You know, having the packages stolen. And so some people get really creative and, and create glitter bombs and put them in boxes. And, and, and it's funny to watch all of it take place. But it is a serious problem in America. Last year alone, Porch Pirates stole 260 million packages that had been delivered to homes. And there are only 131.2 million households in the United States, which means that's an average of two for every dwelling in America. And the loss of goods was calculated at $19.5 billion or the equivalent of $148.63 per home. The word of God is of infinitely greater value than anything that will ever be delivered by Amazon to your doorstep. 
I want you to know that when God speaks a word for your life, it is a far greater value than earthly treasure. Job said it like this, Job 23, 12. I have not departed from the commandment of his lips. I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. The psalmist said in 119, verse 72 of Psalms, the law of your mouth is better to me than thousands of coins of gold and silver. God has a word. I can say this confidently for somebody this morning. You didn't come to this this building today just at an invitation that someone extended to you. You didn't just respond to someone's request to visit their church. You're here because God wanted you here. And God has a word that he wants to speak to you this morning. Amen. And there are blessings, as I stated, that are programmed into every word God will ever say. And as we enter the year of 2023, the theme for us this year, I know it's a common word. I've mentioned this and I was conflicted even when God was speaking it to me a year ago and saying, this is what I'm going to speak over Inspire Church in 2023. And I said, God, that's such a common word. I don't think it will register or resonate with anyone. He said, that's one reason you need to talk about it because people have no idea how powerful this is. And that one word is blessed. I need somebody to say, I am blessed. Would you do that? That's the theme for my life in 2023. I'm blessed. And in case you didn't hear it, look at somebody and say, he said, you're blessed. Would you do that? Blessing number one, the word of God has the power to cleanse us. And I'll go through this quickly because I'm going somewhere. Ephesians 5, 25 through 26 said, Christ so loved the church that he gave himself for her that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. Of course, we immediately relate that to our salvation experience because we come to Christ dirty, broken, covered with the filth of this world and we get saved and washed in the blood and it, it does mean that but beyond that I want you to know it has additional application God forgives us of our sins and our mistakes we know that already as believers that's why you must not read over that scripture and say that used to apply to me I want you to know that it applies right now because the problem that we often face is that even though he forgives us, our mistakes continue to haunt us. We are disappointed in ourselves. What we do is spend the rest of our lives driving, looking in the rear view mirror, looking over our shoulder, focused upon our failures from the past. I have a word for somebody. God wants to let you know his word will not only cleanse of sin, it will cleanse your thinking and free you from the guilt and the shame and mistakes of your life. Amen. The psalmist said this in Psalm 51 and 5, uh, verse 1, sorry, 51, verse 1. Have mercy upon me, O God. According to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies, blot out 
my transgressions. Like the advertisements for these super absorbent paper towels. I want you to know that God will blot out the sense of failure in your life. He will vacuum all of that up. The Marianas Trench is a roughly 36,100 feet deep or so and fluctuates from one part of it to another. It is so deep that if you placed Mount Everest in it, and I have been to Mount Everest on many occasions. No, didn't climb it. Uh, I've had seminars and graduations and preached in that area. It is stunning. It is staggering. It will take your breath away. Tallest mountain in the world. But if you planted it at the bottom of the Marianas Trench, do you know that the Marianas Trench is so deep that it would still leave Mount Everest 1.2 miles underneath the surface of the ocean? And this is what God said. When he forgives your sins, they're submerged in the depths of the sea. That's the blood of Jesus. The devil couldn't find them if he tried. Amen. Another verse tells us that God cast them behind his back. Where are you going to go to get behind the back of God? Where he doesn't see another that has removed them as far as the east is from the west. There's a north pole and a south pole. But what he says is literally what it means is that I'm removing your sins where they will never be found again. I don't even know where they are. I'm talking to somebody that needs to be delivered from their sense of failure and their shame. I love that about the song Amazing Grace. One of the most beloved hymns of all time. It goes like this. Twas grace that taught my heart to fear. Fear. And if it had stopped there and the lyrics didn't go any further, we would live the rest of our lives in self-condemnation. But they didn't stop there. They go on to say, and grace my fears relieved. How precious did that grace appear the hour I first believed. I wonder, could we just take a praise break and give God some praise for grace that is amazing? Can I hear somebody say, thank God for amazing grace? Amen. Additionally, within every word that God speaks, there is the incredible power of revelation. A word can change your world. Six words from Martin Luther. The just shall live by faith. Changed the world. Launched it into the Reformation. I've mentioned that already. What a word from God will do is it will reveal to us who we are. And that's important. And that God has plans for us. Because some of us haven't figured that out yet. It took me a good part of my life to learn who I was. A good part of my life. I had no idea who I was. I thought I was this kid that was a failure, raised with swamp mud between his bare toes, south of Lake Charles, Louisiana. I didn't know that God had plans for me. I had no idea. My own mama put me out when I was four, grew up, and you, some of you know the story, grew up with this sense of a lack of self-worth, low self-esteem. 
I didn't think I would ever matter to anything in, in this world. But then one day I had an encounter with God. And God opened Ephesians 1 and 6 and it changed my life. One word, that's all it takes. Just one. I need somebody to say just one. Would you do that? Come on, somebody say just one word. God said, giving praise to the glory of his grace, whereby we are accepted in the beloved. I learned that day that I could stop living my life on tiptoes. It changed me profoundly because I realized I mattered to the one to whom life matters most. And if nobody else saw it, God saw it. And that leveled the playing field for me. Amen. There's a verse that has become one of my favorites during the years. Deuteronomy 29, 29. The secret things belong to the Lord our God. But those things which are revealed belong to us. Say to us. Come on, say it one more time. To us. But he doesn't stop there. It goes on to say, and to our children forever. I I want you to hear that. To our children Forever. When God helped me learn who I was by giving me a word, it opened the door for my children and grandchildren to discover who they were. They don't have to live with the same sense of emptiness that I grew up with. I'm talking to somebody because you have had an encounter or are getting ready to have an encounter with God. It's going to not only mark you, it's going to mark your family for as long as you live. One of the realities of scripture is its greatest treasures are kept for those who will dig them out. What lies on the surface is really the least impacting. And anybody can find those. Profound truth waits for those who dig into its pages and get to know its author. The scripture tells us that we have the privilege also of learning not only who we are and what his plans are for our life. That by itself is extraordinary. But get this, beloved. We can know who he is. Just, I'm overwhelmed when I consider the staggering potential in that promise that I can get to know God. And beyond that, I can even become like him. Second Peter 1, 4, by which have been given to us exceeding great and precious promises that through these, you may be partakers of the divine nature Do you realize what that means? God has called you to partake of his nature. A word from God not only reveals who you are and who God is, but hear this too, because this is a nail word for somebody. It will reveal to you divine strategies that will open doors, potential possibilities, and cause to come to fruition promises that God has made over your life. All it takes is one revelation from God, a simple strategy like march around the walls of Jericho 
seven days. You've got to be kidding me. What kind of strategy is that? I don't know. It's a word from God. We're just going to do it. And seven days they march around. And on the seventh day march seven times. And the walls inexplicably collapse on their own. God's going to make somebody's walls come tumbling down. He will give you a strategy that will advance your life. I look at the prophet Elijah and the instruction that God gave him, go to the widow Zarephath. I've commanded her to sustain you. Before he ever showed up, God already told her what she was supposed to do. And now the prophet comes and she's gathering the last, the sticks that will be necessary for the final meal that she will ever bake in her life because she has no more oil after this and no more meal. And the prophet walks up and here is the one who has come that is going to to address what God has spoken to her in private. And he said, I want you to fix that cake for me. And she does. And there are people that look at that and they do not understand this profound sense of God speaking strategies. And some things that God does may look so odd and strange and unusual on the surface, but it's not until you dig into them that you discover that they can transform your life Because she was literally about to die in the middle of a a famine that lasted three years. But hear what I'm telling you. The prophet did not go there to take anything from her. He went to Zarephath to give something to her. Okay, that one just like went whoop. Okay, so I'll back up again. Let's put it in reverse, all right? And let's back up. Because some of you read that story and all you feel is empathy for the woman who had so little. But as it dawned on you that if he had left her there without obeying God and given her the opportunity to obey what God had already instructed her, that would have been it for her. And her son, her bloodline would have been terminated. They would have died, but he went there to give her something. I'm coming to give you a strategy that will open heaven over you and your son. And for the next three years, that barrel of of meal never went empty and that cruise of oil never depleted. I'm talking to somebody. I don't know who I am talking to, but God's got a word for somebody in this house. Can I hear somebody say amen? He has a strategy for your life. I think of some of the things that they found in the Bible that have been profound in their own way. The Bible speaks in the book of Genesis chapter 6, chapter 11, chapter 14, Exodus chapter 2 about pitch. And it speaks about these valleys of pitch and pitch that was found in the countries that we now call by the modern names Egypt, Jordan, Syria, Saudi Arabia, Iraq and Iran. But what you may not know is that pitch is a form of petroleum and it has the consistency or the viscosity of coal molasses. And if pitch comes to the surface, there was a geologist in England that reasoned pitch on the ground. That means it's under pressure from beneath. 
I know what pitch is. It's petroleum. And at the, it, the industrial hadn't, revolution hadn't been going all that long. And so this wealthy, wealthy guy from the UK sent a geologist. And he spent years pouring over and researching in the Middle East. And the, the wealthy guy was almost completely bankrupt. This is a true story. Look at the history of oil discovery in the Middle East. And you, you will find this when you pull it up. And this guy looks and looks and nearly spends all of the money of the person who's financing this. And then he discovers oil because of what the word of God said. And it literally changed the world. Can I give a word of prophecy to somebody? You're going to find something that's going to literally change the rest of your life. God's going to speak a word over you. He will give you an insight. He will give you a revelation. He will give you a direction. And it's going to change everything. I need somebody to say a shift is coming. Would you do that? A shift is coming. Tell somebody a shift is coming. A shift is coming. A shift is coming to my life. I'm just about done. Blessing number three. A word from God has the power to refute the lies of the enemy. In John 8 and 44, Jesus said the enemy is the father of lies. And he lies to you. And he lies to me. And he lies to your neighbor. And he lies to the person on the seat beside you. And behind you. And in front of you. And the guy that even looked you in the mirror when you were shaving this morning. He lies to everybody. He lied three times to Jesus and this is what Jesus answered him back. It is written. I've got a word from God. I don't have to listen to your lie. I will listen to what God spoke over my life. There, I felt that too. Somebody just made a decision. I'm going to live by the word of God rather than by the lies that have been driving my life. I'm going to listen to God. Amen. I wonder who the enemy is lying to. Lying to you about your health. Lying to you about your life. Lying to you about your marriage, your future, your home. Lying to you about everything. He's telling you you're not going to live. You're going to die with cancer. Can I say a word to somebody? God's got a word that cancels out every lie the enemy will ever speak to you. If he's telling somebody you're going to, I feel this too. I'm going to die of a heart attack. No, you're not in the name of Jesus. This is what Psalms 118, 17 says. I shall not die, but live and declare the works of the Lord. Somebody say it. I shall live and not die. Say it. I shall live. God's got a word that will negate anything the enemy has spoken over you. The enemy will stress you out. Make you worry about your kids. Who am I talking to that's worried about their kids as we enter 2023? The devil's a liar. He can't have your children. He can't have your kids. They're covered by the blood. There's blood on the doorpost. The lamb is for the house. The lamb is for the house. Your home is covered by the blood of Calvary's lamb. Hallelujah. You're worried about your career, worried about your future, worried about your finances. This is what God's word authoritatively asserts. My God shall supply 
all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Philippians 4, 6, 19. My God shall supply 90, come on, 95, 99, all my needs. Give God some praise one more time. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I'm done and I want to close on this. Blessing number four. The word of God has the power, and I want you to listen carefully, both to create what has never been, He spoke worlds into existence. They had not existed previously. So it has the power both to create what had never been. And it has the power to recreate what once existed but was lost. And that's what I want to close with today. Because we all know about the power of the word of God who is the source of our lives. He created everything we see with a simple word. I'm fascinated by the fact that that these, these telescopes that they've sent, James Webb, Hubble, and so forth. You may not know this. Pull it up. It's interesting. They have extremely sensitive microphones on, these, on board these spacecraft. And as they sail all of these many, many millions of miles into the universe, these microphones are pointed at the darkest, most remote regions of our universe. And what they have discovered, they have picked up, they've recorded it, they've transmitted it back to earth. There is a rumble, a rumble. Just one second, if you would, Eli. And there is a rumble that is going on in the universe. And you know what science say? They say it is the residual echo of the Big Bang. I want you to think about that for a moment. Okay, because used to... Science would not acknowledge, you can pull this up too, the existence of a big bang. Why? Because if you said there was a big bang, it meant that the universe had a point of origin. It began. They didn't want to say that. They wanted to say it's always been here. And finally they had to give in to the overwhelming data that was being found. And so they finally acknowledged yes. And what they have said was it all began with a central loud big bang or explosion. Well, you call it what you want to. To me, that's God saying, let there be. And boom. Worlds spring into existence. Universes pop into midair out of nothing. Planets and solar systems and comets. Galaxies are suddenly majestically created. And now when they train these sensitive microphones into the deepest regions of the universe, they pick up the sound of the echo. From that. And that occurred, according to the latest science, about 13.7 billion years ago. What that means is when once God speaks, his voice continues to echo throughout time and eternity. You may not have received what you want yet, but if God spoke it, it's still hanging out there for you. The word of God is still available to you. Hallelujah. Who am I talking to that is on the verge of a breakthrough? Because God has already decreed it over your life. Amen. 
God took Ezekiel to a valley of dry bones. And the scripture emphasizes they were very dry. It's too late to call 911. Amen. Don't take them to the ER. Won't do any good. Don't put them in intensive care for three weeks. It's not going to help. These bones are dry. They are dead. In fact, not only were was there no longer any life, they were beyond hope of any resuscitation or recovery of life. Is there anybody here who might feel like that right now? My marriage is too far gone. My home is too far gone. My kids, this thing has got a hold of me. It won't let me go. Watch this. Bones were scattered. They were not even connected anymore. You've got a bone lying over here that belongs to somebody whose other bones are over here and over here and over there. And God asked the prophet, can these dry bones live? And he said, thou knowest. Because you see, he understood the power. If God were to speak it, I don't want to be the one standing in the way of what God has just decreed. I'm not going to put myself up against God. You know. And so God says, prophesy to the bones. And he does. And suddenly there's a rustling over here and over there and over there and over here. And bone begins to come back to bone. The scattered parts that had been broken and separated were coming back together. Dreams that had been crushed. You see, these were once men who lived. They had families back home. They had, they had forms. They had jobs. They had, they had children. They were married. And now their lives are broken and shattered into pieces They're dead by any definition of the term. They can't recover. They're not going to recover. But a word from God begins to make things that have no life in them suddenly begin to act like they do. And God is talking to somebody and he's making somebody that has no spiritual sensitivity at all begin to feel something they haven't felt. I'm talking to you right now. Yes, you said that's me he's talking to. Yes, I am. God is awakening things in you and bone came to bone. If that had been all that happened, that's wonderful. That's great. That's glorious. But it's not enough to shout about yet. Then he says, I want you to do something else. Prophesy. Speak over this. And suddenly on top of bones, sinew and flesh begin to grow. That's something that's hidden underneath skin. Skin is covering the process. Why am I saying that? Because sometimes the miracle needs to be on the inside of us. And God begins to speak life in places That we can't even see into. Oh. I feel God. When the prophet opened his mouth to speak. And release a word. He didn't have to go over there and say. "Uh, Let's see. This bone looks like it belongs to this one over here. Uh Uh-uh. When you speak God's word over your life, it brings things together. The word works. Could you shout it out with me? The word. Come on. The word works. 
When you work the word, the word works for you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And God says, my word cannot return to me void. The word that is used where it says it will accomplish what I sent it to do in the Hebrew means it will do, it will fashion, it will accomplish, or it will make. It speaks of creative power. My word shall not return to me void. It shall accomplish what I please. Sometimes losses seem unavoidable. And it seems that you can't do anything to keep from suffering them. Oh, I close with this. I didn't mention this in the first service, but I'll just say this and then I'm done. Eli, thank you for waiting for me. If Jesus had shown up when Mary and Martha sent for him and he had come four days earlier, it would have been wonderful. It would have been glorious. Lazarus would have been healed. That would have meant so much to everybody there. But they would not have had the miracle that has been talked about for centuries afterward. But because he waited four days late, four days longer, four days beyond what they wanted, he caused a greater miracle to happen. And so somebody in this building might be saying just like Mary and Martha did, Lord, if you had been here if you had gotten here sooner, if you had showed up when we first sent you the invitation or the request, it wouldn't have ended like this. And Jesus said it needed to end like this because there's another chapter after this one that's going to end differently. And would you stand with me across the building? Had he shown up, it would have meant that they received far less than they actually received. Every head is bowed. Our prayer counselors are coming right now. God's about to do something internal in someone's life. He's about to do a work that's hidden in your heart. Just like sinew and musculature, covered bones, but they were covered by skin. God's going to do something inside. And you're not going to be the same person after you leave today. And people are going to think when they see you, you look like the same person, but you're, you're different. Your thinking is different. Your conversation is different. Your actions are different. That's because God's going to do work inside of you. Amen. Every head bowed and every eye closed. I would like for you, if you need God and you're in this place today, and I have been speaking to you and you sense God speaking to you, would you raise your hand right where you are and say, pray for me, pastor. I need God. Hands going up all over the building. Come on, keep on raising them. God bless you. And you, oh my, so many hands. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. I want to pray with you. Father, I thank you today. I thank you for the work that you're doing in people's lives. I thank you for the work that you're doing in the hearts of men and women right now. I thank you because you're doing a work of grace. And we come to you and we ask that you would cleanse us, Lord. We humble ourselves before you. We need you. We ask you to save. We ask you to redeem us. That person that is here today that you're talking to, 
that feels like they're beyond hope, beyond rescue, beyond redemption. They're not. And Lord, they bravely put up their hand a moment ago. I want you to save them. And today we confess right now that you are our Lord and Savior. And we ask you to be our Redeemer from this day forward. And we thank you for hearing us. And now I want every person here that is a believer along with everyone else to welcome those who just prayed that prayer. And for a moment, let's have a party. Come on. Come on. Can I hear somebody shout? Hallelujah. 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 Hallelujah.